0: This morning we're going to look at a story out of the Old Testament that all of y'all know well. And most of us, if you've been in Sunday school uh, growing up, you've heard this story many times. But I challenge you to listen with fresh ears and try to maybe hear a detail here or there. Or or sometimes when we hear a story as an adult uh, that we used to hear as children, we hear it in a new way. So I encourage you to do that. This is from 1 Samuel chapter 16. It happens right after God has uh, rejected Saul as king of Israel. And Samuel, the prophet that God has used to anoint Saul, is just devastated because he had such high hopes for Saul that Saul was going to be a great king over Israel. And yet when Saul failed, then Samuel really got frustrated and really didn't know what to do. So that's where we pick the story up. The story's a little bit lengthy, and um, it's going to eat into my time to talk about it, but that's fine. We need to hear the story. I'm going to let you all remain seated. We'll stand up and sing a couple of verses of a song in just a moment. First Samuel chapter 16. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said Eliab is Jesse's oldest son and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and he had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? Well, Jesse said, there is still the youngest, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and had handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. May God bless the reading of his word. When it gets here, people start discussing well, who is going to be the Cinderella team this year? Because it always seems like every year there's one team that goes much further into the tournament than anyone had given them a chance to do. This year, the Cinderella team was Virginia, Virginia Virginia Commonwealth. That's right. They made it all the way to the Final Four. Before losing to Butler, and Butler was a Cinderella team last year, weren't they? But Butler is going into the finals for the second year, so you can't quite call them Cinderella anymore since they seem to be producing regularly. But sports fans love Cinderella stories. Uh, they love to see a, a team come along, and unless that team knocks off your favorite team, then you're not too happy. But it's, it's always just fun to watch that team uh, work its way through that no one had given a chance, no one had really even thought about it. Many times, many people in the nation didn't even know that that place existed. Remember Gonzaga when they popped up? I mean, who had ever heard of Gonzaga University? And then all of a sudden, there they were. They were a Cinderella. We love Cinderella stories. We, we go to movies that just remake the Cinderella story over and over and over again. If you stop and think about some of your favorite movies, how many of you, how, your favorite movie is Forrest Gump? I got any? All right. There, well, so that's Cinderella. That's the Cinderella story. And, and so many movies are like that. It's just kind of a remake of, of the story of someone who is, is devalued or is overlooked or ignored in some way. And yet, by some sort of mechanism, this person becomes noticed. And then all of a sudden, people realize what a wonderful person this is and how valuable of a person this is. This story of Cinderella even though it has existed for centuries, remains one of our favorites about the abused, the neglected, overlooked stepdaughter who, with the aid of just a little bit of magic, suddenly people realize that she's a princess. She's been a princess all along, but people just didn't see it. Now, what is it about that story that's so intriguing to us? What is it about that story that keeps us watching sports or going to movies that retell the story? What is it about other people noticing someone that has been overlooked and someone that is really significant? Could it be that down deep somewhere inside we kind of identify with Cinderella, that We think, you know, there's really more in here than most people see, and we long for the opportunity for that just to break out and to be available and for us to be able to use it and for other people to notice it and for us not to be insignificant, not just to live and die in San Angelo and have a circle of friends and be known by some folks, but but to be someone who really makes a difference. Someone who is significant. I think that's why Cinderella appeals to us. And maybe I'm supposed to be up here as a preacher and saying, well, we're not supposed to really think that way about ourselves. But I'm here to tell you today, I think that's exactly what we ought to think about ourselves. Because this story that we just read kind of teaches that same lesson. Centuries before the story of Cinderella was written. I don't know when that story began to take its form. I, I know it's a fairy tale now, and fairy tales are centuries old themselves. But even centuries before the story of Cinderella began to take uh, shape, we had this, the story of David. And don't you notice how many similarities there are in the story? I wonder if perhaps the person that originally started the story of Cinderella maybe didn't just steal a little bit out of this this particular story because there's a lot of things that, that just overlap. As we said before, it happened at a time that was really a dark time in the nation of Israel. Israel had wanted a king. And they had kept asking God for a king. They said, just like, you know, little children tell their parents, everybody else has one. You know, that's what they kept telling God. Everybody else has a king. We want a king too. And you know that God had, that had to sort of hurt his heart because he kept saying, but I'm your king. And they said, well, no, we want one we can see. We want a king like everyone else does. So finally, God tells Samuel to go and to anoint them a king. And Samuel knows how dangerous that is because as he warns the people, kings steal from you. Kings take the wealth of the people and keep it for themselves. Uh, kings tend to think of themselves before they think of their people. And, and boy, if you, if you appoint someone king, you better have a good one because if you don't, then things are going to go bad. And so finally, God says, Samuel, go do it. And Samuel goes out and anoints Saul of uh, of Saul as the king over Israel. And he's excited. He's a tall guy. You know, remember that story of Saul getting anointed, how he he, he was like a head taller than everyone else, kind of bashful at first. But it didn't take him long to get over his shyness, did it? And sure enough, he began being king like God had warned them about. And he became disobedient and he kept bringing more attention to himself than to God. And finally, God had had it with him after he had told him to go out and and to conquer this nation and to destroy all the, 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 the prizes that he could. But Saul brought it all back for himself or the best part of it for himself. And God said, that's it. We're, we're not going to have him anymore. And so he had told Samuel to go tell him that he had been rejected as the king. And now it's time to get a new king. So he sends Samuel to the little town of Bethlehem to meet with Jesse. Jesse's got at least eight sons, we know, at the end of the story. And he says, I've picked one of his sons to be the new king. And I will go, you go, and you have this big feast and you have a sacrifice, and I will point out which one of Jesse's sons is going to be the new king. So David goes down to Bethlehem, and the people of Bethlehem go, whoa, here comes David. I said, Samuel goes down to Bethlehem, and the people of Bethlehem go, whoa, here comes Samuel, and this is something big. What's going on? Are we in trouble? And Samuel says, no, no, no. We're going to offer a sacrifice. We're going to have this big religious event. You guys get ready. You consecrate yourselves and you come. But he especially makes sure that Jesse comes. And he says, and bring your boys with you. All right? So here we have. We have the feast going on. There's Jesse. There's his boys. And he, I I, I wish... There's just not enough information in here for me. Don't y'all like this story? And I wish there were a few more little details. Where do they go to do this part of it? Do they kind of sneak off to themselves? Or is this in front of everybody? I don't know. How much does Jesse know about what's going on? But for some reason, they start parading his sons in front of Samuel. And Jesse evidently knows that something big's about to happen. Because he brings his first boy in, and his first boy is a tall, strapping guy, and Samuel says, that has to be the one, because obviously God likes tall kings, doesn't he? And but God says, nope, not him. So he brings the second one by, and God says, nope, not him. Third one, nope. Do we, are we hearing Cinderella here? You know, got the, the prince with the slipper trying to put it up. Well, here's Samuel standing there with this, this oil ready to pour it on someone's head and say, you're the new king of Israel. And God keeps saying, no, 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 no. Seven sons pass by. And at the end, Jesse and Samuel are looking at each other like, what's the deal? And Samuel says, do you have any more boys? Oh, yeah, well, I got the kid, you know, but someone's got to be out doing the work, and, and he's out tending the sheep. I wish I knew. There's another one of those details, Linda Kay. Don't you wish you knew that? How did David feel about the fact that his brothers were at a party, and he was out tending the sheep? Now, David may have been the kind of guy we, we know a lot of good things about David, and it could have been that he just said, well, that's the way it goes. I'm the youngest. You know, that's just what happens. No big deal. Tommy wouldn't have been feeling that way. Tommy would have been ticked off that I was out there working with the sheep, because I hate sheep anyway. Sorry, Ed. Anyway, <laughs> but, you know, working the sheep. And, 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 you know, and my, my brothers are at a party with all the other people and everything. I don't hate sheep, but I don't like working sheep. Anyway, uh, so... But David, if someone, if someone goes and gets him, don't know who, it'd be interesting if it was one of the brothers that had just been rejected, you know, like, all right, go get your little baby brother. Uh, might have been a servant, I don't know. But they come running up and say, hey, guess what? You're invited to the party. Come on. So David walks in, and as soon as he walks in, the Lord says to Samuel, that's the one. That's the one. Take the oil, pour it on his head. He will be the next king. And it's right there in that last verse that this story really comes together. It's this last verse that makes this story more than a fairy tale. It's that last verse that makes it more than just an interesting story. Listen to what it says. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, yeah, don't you like that? <laughs> you boys stand here and watch. The, I don't know if it's like that or not. But listen to this. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. This is the power that raised David from obscurity to prominence. This is the power that made him more than a shepherd boy like all the other little shepherd boys. This is the power that gave him a future beyond just simply living and dying with little effect beyond his small circle of friends and his family. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get that same power? Wouldn't it be wonderful if the gift that God gave David through the prophet Samuel was available to us? Wouldn't it be good for those of us who are living our lives here in West Texas, someone would come and say, guess what? God has chosen you. Wouldn't it be wonderful if someone came and said, and guess what? God will pour his spirit out upon you. Whoa. Someone has said that, haven't they? What does the word gospel mean? The good news. What is the good news? Well, it's described in several ways in Scripture. Certainly at the heart of the good news is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. But there is so much about the good news. And the good news includes this. And listen to it. Every one of us has to hear this. The good news is that long ago, once upon a time, Only very special people were chosen by God and received His Spirit. Only people like David, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah. The list is not long once upon a time. But the good news is that since the day of Pentecost, since that day after Jesus had ascended into heaven and said, Wait, I'm going to send my spirit. Since that day, as was prophesied by the the prophet Joel, since that day, the Spirit of God has been poured out upon all flesh. Since that day, you have been chosen. Since that day, you can receive the Spirit of God. Since that day, you no longer live an insignificant life. Since that day, you no longer live a life that just comes and goes, and it was there and there it was. You live a life as a child of God. You live a life as one of God's chosen. You live a life empowered by the Spirit of God himself. Don't believe me? Believe the Apostle Paul. Titus chapter 3. If you have a Bible or you can grab one real quick and you're, you're good at finding passages, Titus chapter 3. Verse 4, one of the most amazing passages in all the New Testament. If you're a Bible uh, underliner and you got your Bible, don't underline the Pew Bible, please. But if you've got your Bible, underline this. Memorize it someday. But most of all, believe it. Here. When the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. That's Jesus, by the way. Jesus is described here as the goodness And the loving kindness of God. He saved us. Not because of any work of righteousness that we had done. But according to his mercy. Through the water of rebirth. Reference to baptism. And renewal by the Holy Spirit. This spirit he poured out on us richly. Through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that. Having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Hello kings, hello queens, hello princes of God, hello children of God. If you came in here today feeling low or down or overlooked, insignificant, abused in some way, Hear the gospel. You are chosen by God. And God is just waiting to pour his spirit into your life. That you may live a life that matters. A life as a child of God. A life in the kingdom of God. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. And some of our leaders of this congregation will be around on the sides, the back, the front of this church. And if you have yet to yield your will to his. If you have yet to enter the waters of baptism, if you as yet have not opened your heart to the reception of God's Spirit so that you may truly be blessed by Him, come and let one of these help. Let's stand and sing.